That looks good. That's good. And we've been um, praying for a few to get some work. And uh, Christy started a new job on the 1st of February. Mark, Megan starts a new job tomorrow. So we're grateful for the Lord's provision. You know, we shared last month on, in Ephesians, walking in unity, in love, in light, and in wisdom. And I mentioned to you, in preparation for that, I, I really, and diving into the word love, I really wanted to share more on that, and, and the Lord checked me to wait for this month, not even really thinking about the fact that it was February at the time, but here we are, and so today we're going to learn about what love is. I love the Lord's timing. You know, I don't really necessarily know what all involvement or interest the Lord has in Valentine's Day, but it is something that we think about this month, and so for him to drop that in my heart for this month, I thought it was kind of cool. We are to love one another year-round, not just in February, but it is kind of a nice, nice time to, to talk about it. Appreciate uh, Sister Dre and her song selection this morning. Um, that uh, the phrase in that song, what, what love is, what love is this, when it talks about, here I am standing in the shadow of the cross and I'm overwhelmed but I keep finding open arms. You know, we go to the cross for forgiveness, redemption, and even still, the times that we've fallen short and we go to that cross for forgiveness. We know, of course, it's the one that was on that cross. You know, I'm not specifically speaking to the cross, the actual physical cross, but we look to the cross for our forgiveness and the one that was crucified on it. And we're overwhelmed that we keep on finding open arms. No matter how many times we've failed or fallen or disappointed, we still find an open arm. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we're going to spend a very large portion of our time in 1 Corinthians 13, so you can turn in your Bibles there if you like. We'll be giving you a lot of definitions and, and meanings today, hoping that through each of these words that one of the portions of the definition will resonate with you. And I will tell you, I remember a pastor used to say this a lot when I was growing up and I didn't really fully understand what he meant, but whenever the Lord lays on your heart something to speak, be prepared for that to be dealt with in your own life first. And uh, I can tell you that in studying preparation for this over the last three weeks, uh, you would think that I would have done a better job because it was in my face every day. Um, but I think that's probably one of the reasons why I, I failed so much or I recognized my failure because it was in my face. This weekend was, uh, I say weekend because if you know Gretchen, we do celebrate it for several days. 
But Friday was Gretchen's birthday. It's usually her birthday week. So Friday we were busy with a lot of stuff, games and so forth, so we really celebrated it yesterday. And for her birthday, she wanted um, some projects done around the house. Of course, you know, I love projects. And I can just tell you that I told her this morning, boy, for me to have been studying on love this week, I was such a failure at showing you love for your birthday. So, but she laughed. She said it was fine. But it was, it was a great day, and uh, let's, let's take a look at this. We know from times past, but I'll remind you, there are three kinds of love that are spoken of in Scripture. One is phileo, which where the city of Philadelphia gets its name. That is brotherly love, city of brotherly love. The second is eros, is where we get the word erotic. One thing that's interesting about Eros is that it starts in the emotions and bends the will. Joan Yves said that probably 20 years ago, and I've never forgotten that. Eros starts in the emotion and bends the will. The so-called love that the world speaks of most time is this word right here. Because their love is so caught up in their emotion that it causes them, it bends their will, causes them to do things that they normally would not do if they were in their right mind. And I say that intentionally. Erotic things are very powerful, consuming, addictive. We have to be careful. But arrow starts in the will, and, or excuse me, starts in the emotions and it bends the will. Agape is the third form of love. God's perfect love actually starts in the will and bends the emotions. And I say, what's the difference? Well, it's a huge difference. See, when I say that I love you, I agape you, I may not necessarily like you. We may not get along. We may have a history of hurt, or, or there may be something in, that you've done or said or or to me or my family or someone that I love. But I choose to love you anyway. I start with my will and eventually you'll find out that you come to love them even in your emotions. As Christ loved us even when we were unlovable. So those are the three kinds. We're going to be talking about agape the entire time today. God's love. Godly love. I asked a couple of kids to sit in the front row today to help me with some things, and you'll see that as we things develop. But it was also intentional that one of them said, you mean I actually have to listen then? Because <laughs> 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 uh, I'm not going to point to you and say, hey, flip, flip the thing, you know, you'll see what happens. So you actually actually pay attention to what's going on. They're like, yep, you got to do that. <laughs> so it was forced attention. I didn't bust you. Nobody knows who said it. But it's forced attention because of the fact of this. We need to demonstrate to our next generation 
what love truly is. Because I will tell you, every single day in this social media-filled, media-filled life that they live and walk in, they are inundated of all the wrong messages of what love is. Their, their minds are in their eyes, their eye gates, their ear gates, everything that they experience are filled and they're dumped on all this arrows every single day. And they're, they're masking it under agape, trying to tell them this is really what truly love looks like. And they try to find that, and they seek after it, and then they fall. Then they may even attain something like that, and then they fall short and disappointed and fail. This is what I thought I was going to get. And it leaves them empty. What true love genuinely is, I'll tell you, it's not a feeling. Very common phrase, but it is true. Sister Guido just said it. Love is a choice. We choose to love one another. We'll see at the end why that's important. So let's talk about, we're going to talk about eight things that love is and eight things that love is not. We're going to give you a new beginning in your love today. That's what the number eight represents. New beginning. So I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart today, that you would, Lord, we ask that you would seek our hearts. Lord, that there be any ways in our, in our minds and in our lives and our hearts, Lord, that is not pleasing to you in this area of love. Lord, we focus to choose not on everything today, but this area of love that you have chosen today to speak to us about. Lord, forgive us when we have loved unselfishly or loved selfishly and for our own gain. So, Lord, open our ears as we hear what your word says today about what true love, your agape, is and represents. First thing we find out here is love is patient. As you know, I believe that the word is intentional. Even in the color choices of things you'll see held up today is intentional. Things that love is are green. Can you show that again? And things that love is not, you'll see, is in red. But first of all, we see here is love is patient. And I mentioned last time that I shared that I'm getting opportunities on a daily basis to exercise my patience. Unfortunately, in all transparency, I, I'm, I'm really good at being patient outside of my four walls. At work, no problem. Out in life, on the road, I don't, I, the expression that I like is I don't allow people to borrow space in my mind. If they're rude, if they're unkind, if they're saying whatever things about Christians, the Lord, whatever it might be, I don't allow them to borrow space in my mind. But inside my home, those that I'm supposed to be most patient with, sometimes I let my guard down and I fail that test. Because we know that tribulation works patience. So be careful what you pray for. Love is patient. What does patient mean? It's slow to anger. 
slow to punish, and all the teenagers said amen to that, yeah? It means to persevere patiently, brave in enduring misfortunes and troubles, be patient in bearing the offenses and the injuries of others. Love is patient. You know, sometimes we are offended by other people and what they do and say. But we're taught here that we're to be patient with them. Secondly, we see here that love is kind. That word kind means mild and pleasant. The antonym of Kind, which means the opposite. The antonym is sharp, harsh, or bitter. So I ask you, in the face of, if you're having heated fellowship with your spouse or your, one of your children or somebody that you are very close with, are you sharp and bitter or are you patient and kind? We've seen things, two, two things that love is. Let's see if something that is not. Love does not envy. It is not envious. You know what's interesting about that word envy? It's actually the Greek word means zeal. Being zealous is actually very, is a good thing. But, but, the neg negative connotation here is to be heated and to boil with hatred and anger. You can be zealous in your anger as well. <laughs> but in the same token, it, the opposite of that, the positive connotation of the word is that we're zealous in our pursuit of good. But love doesn't envy. I always think about rejoicing with those who rejoice. And I've mentioned this before. I think it's easy for us to weep with those who weep. Someone who as a loss or someone is sad, you know, we can empathize with them and, you know, some of you may even cry with them. Weep with those that weep. But rejoicing with those who rejoice, it's great if it's something that really doesn't impact us. Hey, good, you got a job? I'm already working, so I'll, I'm happy for you. But somebody who's been looking for a job for six months, Megan got a job after looking for one day. Oh, yeah, I'm rejoicing with you. Rejoice, all right. <laughs> so happy for you, Megan. Glad I didn't get that job. Glad whoever referred you to that job didn't refer me. Appreciate it. That was really nice. But I'm rejoicing with the, I'm not envying. Because when we love Megan, we don't envy what she just got blessed with. And we can be happy for her in the face of you having want. That's tough. You're happy for someone's abundance in the face of your want. Love does not envy. I didn't say what we were going to talk about was going to be easy. 
Second thing that love does not, parade itself. You can walk around and tell everybody, here's what I am. We're not a show-off. We're not parading ourselves around and, hey, Megan, I'm using you a lot today, Megan. I got a job. All I had to do was interview. That's it. Showed up. I got it. I got a new house. Got a new car. Maybe I can't drive it, but I got a new car. <laughs> Not puffed up. That word means to inflate, blow, blow up, cause to swell up, make proud. Another thing that love doesn't do. Doesn't behave rudely. Love is not rude. To act unbecomingly, selfish. And actually the word of the the root of this actually is selfishness. Whenever we act rude to someone else, basically my annoyance or whatever it is, I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm had a bad day, I'm whatever is more important than me showing kindness to you. Notice I said hungry first, because I'm a hangry person sometimes. So I know what it feels like. But whatever it is that you are feeling on the inside, we talk to our children all the time because, fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know, you can figure it out. At least two of them, maybe even three, got their dad's passion. So we tell them, especially the one with the really long hair, it's okay to have emotions, but they cannot have you. It's okay to be passionate about something, but we cannot project that onto someone else to the point where we're being rude. Love is not rude. Love is not selfish. It's promoted in its own. Another one. Hmm. Love does not seek its own. This word seek is to aim at or strive after. Specifically when speaking of your agenda. I am going to help you because real talk, by helping you, I'm going to look really good. Or I'm going to do this for you because in the end, I benefit. Having a hidden agenda. Seeking my own. Love says, I'm going to help you regardless of the outcome of how it impacts me. Especially when it doesn't benefit me. It may even hinder me by helping you. But I choose to love and not seek my own. That's something that love is not. Another one that love is not. Four walls again. Easily provoked. To stimulate, irritate, or arouse to anger. If we are loving one another, 
we are not going to be easily provoked. Way easier said than done. Way easier. But once again, if I'm easily provoked by what you're saying, my issue that I'm dealing with right now is far more important than what it is that you're wanting to, to know or be heard from or whatever the case may be. Yesterday, I'm telling on myself today. Yesterday, see, I'm a words of affirmation person. And I, rec I can recognize when somebody is fishing for something because I do it myself. Fishing for a compliment, fishing for an attaboy. I do it, I recognize it that I do it. I think it's disgusting when I do do it, but I recognize that I do it. Especially when I was a kid, I always wanted to be told, great job. Well, yesterday, my middle son, who is a words of affirmation, started asking me questions about something. And he was fishing. And instead, and I thought about this morning, instead of taking the opportunity and loving him with words, because that's what he was seeking, he was seeking my attention and my words and my affirmation, instead of just saying, you know, as a 10-year-old, I should be patient with this, right? Love is patient. Instead of just doing that, I got irritated and easily provoked and said, all you're doing is fishing for a compliment. Opportunity, lost. I had an opportunity to love my son, regardless of his immature motivation, who cares? And I blew it. All because I had to study about love. <laughs> the struggle is real. Love thinks no evil. Love thinks no evil. This word thinks here is to reckon. You know, in the South they say, I reckon. <laughs> to count or compute. Calculating. Scheming. Trying to figure out Selfish ways that we can work things out. Love does not do any of those things. It thinks no evil. Goes right along with another one that love does. We'll get to. It's one of my favorite. But love thinks no evil. Another one that love does not do. It does not rejoice in iniquity. It does not rejoice when others fail. There may be someone that you know at school or at work. There may be some girl that likes the same boy that you like, thinks cute, and you see her walking through the lunchroom and she trips and falls and her food goes flying. You're not supposed to rejoice in that. I don't know why you're laughing, Amber. There's someone else that 
we may be in competition with at work or maybe a, a peer of ours and they try to step out and try to do something and fell flat on their face, made you look a lot better, we're not to rejoice in their failure. Another thing I wanted to back up to thinking no evil. It means to keep a record or a ledger. Love doesn't keep a ledger. Remember back in the late 80s, there was a movie called Rain Man. Charlie Babbitt was kind of first brought to, into light autism. Charlie Babbitt was the guy, and, and uh, Ray Babbitt was his brother, played by Dustin Hoffman. Anyways, throughout the process, Ray would keep a little ledger of things. Charlie Babbitt grabbed my neck, hurt me, right? So I was reminded of that when I was looking at this, keeping a ledger of wrongs. If you, do you have a ledger, you can say, oh, well, let me see here. Let me flip this open. Yep, right here it says it. On August 17th, 1982, this person hurt me. And on September 14th, 1997, they said this about me. We may not physically have a ledger we've written things down, but mentally do we keep record of things? Hold people at bay, maybe things that were negatively said about you or your parents or your loved ones or whomever it was that they said things, and we're keeping a mental and an emotional record of wrongs. That's what thinking evil is. So we see here that love does not rejoice in iniquity, but love does rejoice in truth. Now the word there, rejoice, is interesting because it's two different words. You would think it's in the same sentence, similar thought, that it would be kind of same. But I have two videos I want to show you what the difference of. So the rest, can you turn the lights down? The first one we want, Jake, is the one that says curry on it. They're very brief, both of them. Setting the stage here, Steph Curry is actually standing on the free throw line at the end of a game, getting ready to win. And the video we're going to see is of his parents and his little girl in the stands. We'll need the volume too, though. Tie game. The Curry family, so nervous, led by the superstar Riley. The word rejoicing, not in iniquity, that's good, Jay, is how demonstrated here. On the sideline, kind of like not a participant, but rejoicing for what's going on in there, okay? I see something goes wrong in your life. I'm not involved in it, but inside, I'm rejoicing. Love doesn't do that. But love does rejoice in truth. The North Carolina one. This is what this word rejoice looks like. Into the lane, throws it up, no good. McAdoo with the rebound. He'll bounce it ahead to Britt. Just nine seconds to play. Tokido with the ball. 
six seconds to go. Four seconds to play. Carolina's going to win its eighth in a row. And this one's even sweeter, that. baby, because it's overdue. 74 This 60. is active participation and rejoicing. This is what we're supposed to do, St. Jake. This is what we're supposed to do when we rejoice in truth. This is what love does. We actively participate in the rejoicing of truth. We run and we, uh, we storm the, the court or the field or whatever it is of their life and we say, I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm going to rejoice in the truth that's in your life. That's what love does. Even if some a situation in my life may not be going well, I'm going to rejoice with you. I'm going to actively participate in it. Those people that were in the stands, they didn't win anything. They didn't have a uniform on. They won't get a ring or a trophy or anything like that, but they are an active participant in what is going on. That's exactly the point here. That's what love will do. You may not get anything out of it, but you say, I'm going to rejoice with you because you had a victory in your life. And I love you, and I just want to celebrate with you. Even if things aren't going right in my life, I'm going to rejoice in that truth of your, in your life. That word right there, truth, means truth and reality. Just like it says in John 4, 23, we worship him in spirit and in truth. That's the same exact word. We worship him in spirit and reality. We're rejoicing in the reality of what's going on in their lives. That's what love does. Can I get the lights again, please, too? only true reality we have, guys, is the truth of God. The solid rock of Christ Jesus, on which his church is built, that's the only thing that is true. Everything else, stinking sand. The world all around us is seeking for truth. We can be rest assured. We've already found it. Right here. And it'll set you free. Let's look at verse 7, my favorite portion of this. Love bears all things. That word bears means to protect, keep by covering, to preserve, to cover with silence. The antonym to that is to expose. Guys, we're to be our wife's covering. Regardless of how annoyed you may be or frustrated you are, we're to be their covering. Somebody comes, else comes in you may be close to and you really want to express that frustration with them and the spirit of you know, camaraderie and they can, in relation. The opposite of bearing all things is exposure. When we don't bear one another up in love, doesn't have to necessarily be your spouse, but when we don't bear one another in love, we are exposing them. Love bears all things. To protection, to preservation, 
Secondly, love believes all things. Think to be true, to be persuaded persuaded of, to credit, to place confidence in. To me, this always is said, to give them the benefit of the doubt. When I love you, I believe in you. If I hear something about you that doesn't sit right, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. There may be a situation where you, whatever was going on, and you said something, did something that was foolishness, but I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I love you, and that's exactly what I want you to return to me. To give me the benefit of the doubt because maybe I wasn't the most shining example of what I should have been at that moment. That's why I'm not afraid to say to you and expose things to you and be transparent and say, here's what's happened to me this week because I know that you'll believe all things and give me the benefit of the doubt and recognizing that, hey, there may be a situation in your life that you can relate to as well, that these are real things that we walk in and out of every single day. This word is truth, and it's applicable to our life today. It's not just a historical book, which I do. I love the history of Scripture. But it's not just a history book that we read about and put on the, on the uh, bookshelf and collect dust and say, oh, that was a really good story. Let me go to read Moby Dick. It's not just another story that we're going to read. It is alive and well. It's applicable to our lives today. And it will be tomorrow. But love bears all things. It believes all things. Love hopes all things. You know that word hope? To wait for salvation with joy and full confidence. You know, this world, I mention it a lot, but this world has no hope. None. They don't have hope because they don't know anything that's real, they don't know true love. They don't know true commitment. So they have nothing to place their hope in. But we can look toward our salvation with confidence. In this hope of Christ Jesus. Love hopes all things. When we hope all things, we expect the good in others. And wait with them with full confidence when we don't see that walked out immediately. Let me say that again. We expect the good in others and wait with them with full confidence when we don't see it being walked out immediately. You know, Jordan, someday you're going to be here. Wherever here is, you're going to reach that, that point in your life. Right now, you may be right here. But I'm going to patiently hope with you till you get to this end. I'm not going to get impatient with you and say, why aren't you there yet? What's wrong with you? Why can't you walk this out? You've been in this church your entire life. What's going on? What are you waiting for? No, I'm going to hope all things and wait in anticipation of you arriving to that point in your life. That's what love does. Love endures all things. That word endure means to remain, abide, and not flee. 
when there is hardship, when there is disappointment, when there is hurt, love stays. Love doesn't run. It doesn't take off. It doesn't give up. Love endures. Love endures to the end. It chews. See, that's the difference of love being a choice. If love is a feeling, and it's fleeting, and it's just something that I always want to chase after, you're going to take off. But love endures because it's a choice. Every single day we choose to love one another, even when we're unlovable or unloving. Maybe if it's not even uh, reciprocated or given back in return, we still choose to love and we endure. Love stays. In the face of adversity, maybe being advised by others that you should go, love endures. Jesus says in Hebrews 13, 5, the second portion of the verse, says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Love never fails. That word never fails means to fall out of, to fall down from, to fall off. Watch this, kids. If you never fall in love, you can never fall out of love. We hear that all the time. I think I'm falling in love with them. The problem is, is if I fall in love with you, I can also fall out of love with you. But rather, it's based on the character that you display and the person I feel that you are, I choose to love you. I choose to spend the rest of my life with you. So then there's no falling out of. We choose. We have every single day we have an opportunity to continue to choose. Yeah, sometimes we choose not to. That's the thing about this powerful thing about choice. We every single day choose to love one another. His love is unfailing. One more video I want to show you. It's a young girl. I pray, I played her song for you a few months back called Trust in You. This one is actually can you turn the lights off for me again, brother? This one is actually called Love is Loyal because love never fails. I've probably listened to this song 50 times in the last two weeks, no exaggeration, because it fits so perfectly for today. Go ahead, Jake.
mentions in here that the Lord's love is more faithful than the rising sun. Something that you said, you know, you've heard other songs and different things that you can rely on. That's exactly what the love of the Lord is. And I know this works because I did it earlier today, so apologize for the delay. But it's important enough, I want you to, to see this and to hear this. As he's queuing that up, go ahead and keep going there, buddy. Just let me know when you're ready. I want you to look. And this was really what cemented things for me. And I don't know why this was so revelatory to me this time. And if it's so simple to you, I'm just going to ask that you just let me think that this is really cool. But we learned about all these things that love is, eight things that love is, and eight things that love is not. But we see in 1 John 4, if you turn that to that with me, See in 1 John 4, verses 7 and 8, says that God is love. So all those things that we just talked about, of what love is and what love isn't, can be applied to the Lord. You got it working? Let's listen to this song. I can never find your heart. I can never reach that far. But you have pulled me close and never let me go. I'm safe forever in your arms. Your promises I cannot break. And I know you will never. Thank you. 
see in 1 John 4, 7, and 8 that God is love. So we see here, as I mentioned, that your love is loyal. We know that just like love is patient, we know that God is patient. He's patient with us. All the times when we fail and we fall and those different times, he's right there with arms open wide. Our God is patient. Our God is kind. He's loving and enduring. All the things that we've read about and learned about and heard today, we see these things that he's not. He's not envious. He's not easily provoked. So you think, thank you, Lord, for that. He's not self-seeking. He's not proud. He doesn't rejoice in evil. He doesn't think about evil toward us. But he bears all things. He doesn't expose us. He hopes all things in us. He gives us the benefit of the doubt because of his love and his blood. He endures with us. His love never fails. His love never fails. His love is loyal. His love is loyal. Would you stand with me? We're so grateful for these reminders today of truly how to love one another. Lord, help us to first love you. And Lord, we ask that you would just keep these words that they would resonate in our minds and our hearts. Lord, that we would walk this out and not just say today it was something that was good to talk about or to learn about and leave and Nothing changed. Lord, help us to walk this out every single day. We're so grateful, Lord, that you bear all things. You believe all things. You hope all things, and you endure all things in us. We're so grateful that your love is loyal. Lord, when our world shakes, you are unshaken. So constant, so perfect, and unfailing. We thank you for this opportunity to come together today. Be with us to the appointed time. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.